Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, it is the Red Men Originals podcast. I'm Paul Machin, Chris Page, Chloe Boxham, and Steve Plunker join us in the studio for this one because Dan is overworked and Steve is having a break. Um, and also because, you know, we like you and you're good. Just to clarify that as well. Um, <laughs> I'm so the, glad you are <laughs> <laughs> like, really good. Actually, if you want to see more of Steve, uh, we've got our 50 uh, greatest Liverpool signings of all time specials dropping over Christmas on redmanplus.com. And I was, I was, I was listening to some of your filming the other day. M- m- a frightening amount of insights on stuff where, like, we turn up to do ours. It's like, yeah, I remember him; he was good. Or no, he was a bit crap. You're like, and I remember this moment in uh, in, in, in 1986 and the Liverpool fans on the tears. I was like, wow, amazing stuff. Um, so yeah, as always, a pleasure. Um, right, we're going to be getting through the game uh, from the weekend, which of course was absolutely stupendous. Um, four of the best goals you're ever likely to see in a football game um, as they will be fallen by four goals to three. We're going to be reacting to the FA Cup draw and we'll do a little look ahead to Sheffield United as well, all in good time. Uh, but it is uh, officially comfortably into December now. We've been doing a prize draw every day for our legend tier subscribers over on redmanplus.com uh, and the prize that we're giving away today is this. It is one of our Christmas... Christmas you hold that up because that is oh, horrendously obscured where I'm sat uh, is one of our uh, seven nil uh, Redman Christmas sweatshirts um, commemorating a wonderful game of football that happened earlier on this year in no way shape or form an hilarious cash grab someone actually came up to me in the, in the ground the other day and asked for a photo with his one on he said he works in Bolton and um, he just loves the fact that he wears it to work and like there's loads of manks and he said they all kind of glance and they all want to read it more but they obviously they get what it is at a glance and don't want to be seen to be like drawn into it so he said he's walking, <laughs> walking an extra foot tall with that on the office uh, right we've got the uh, wheel of names so we'll do the draw for that right now. Let's have a little bit of a drum roll. Ooh. Hey, Tom Wayne. Uh, well done, Tom Wayne. Uh, you have won. Um, yeah, that wonderful Red Men Christmas sweatshirt. Uh, Hopefully, you're an extra large. <laughs> if not, you can sleep in it, it'll be fine. Or not, if it's if you're like figuring that uh, you figure it out. No, we'll sort it out. Uh, we'll be in touch over all that. Um so yeah, thank you so much. Another draw uh will be happening tomorrow on the news show uh, at twelve thirty live on the YouTube channel. So if you want to get yourself in the hat for everything that we're giving away, uh, there's more details on that later on in the show. 
but go to redmenplus.com, join or upgrade the legend tier status, uh, and then you will get involved with all that and boss stuff still to come as well. Right. Um, oh, buy tickets as well, Keo. We had them on the podcast last week. We announced them. He's the musical act that's coming to support us over in Belfast and Dublin on the 23rd and 24th of March next year. Uh, tickets are available on ticketmaster.ie. Uh, so go and grab them if you're over that way. Right. Sound. Chris, the match. <laughs> uh, somehow we've ended up playing in one of the all time Premier League sort of legendary football matches as Jürgen Klopp said like we're welcome um but yeah it's not what I expected to be doing on a Sunday afternoon when I looked ahead at the fixtures and went cool 4-0 yeah that'll do us no problem whatsoever it was a was it a Premier League all-time classic that was it really yeah 1-0 I... 1-0 2-1 2-0 3-2 to Fulham 3-0 4-3 Liverpool all Liverpool's goals were absolute worldies. I suppose it was, wasn't it? Most the goals. And yeah, I was dead annoyed for most of it because of the way that like we should have absolutely tonked them. And for some reason, we just kept conceding really stupidly easy goals and scoring unbelievable goals. It, it was a mad one. Like the, the, the feeling on the at the end of the game, um, or, or when those two goals go in for us, taking it to three all and four three, like that's up there, you know what I mean? With with any of the absolute all time all time greats and stuff, I never considered that a classic until you sort of break it down like that. And I'm like, it might be, it might it might very well be, but it can't be because it's Fulham and we should have tonked them four nil. Yeah, yeah, cool. So un- unlucky, unlucky feelings and thoughts because uh, Chris thought we should have won four nil. Um, Chloe, you nearly cried when you spoke to us post match. You were welling up. You were a little you were a little emotional coming out of that game. I went from eightieth minute, three two, thinking we've lost the league to <laughs> to eighty-seventh minute, four three. Oh my god, we're gonna win the league. Uh, it was quite the turnaround for me in my emotionally stable uh, mindset. Um yeah, I just feel like there were so many highs and so many lows in the game that after it I just felt completely exhausted. Drained. Like everything I'd put into that game from the stands. It had the good, the bad, the ugly, the absolutely outrageous. Um it had absolutely everything. And I think just by the end of it, I think because you do that 180 um, where you think, oh my God, we've dropped points to... Like, in the moment when you're losing 3-2 with 80, 80 minutes in and you've missed massive chances at the start of the, the, the second half, all I'm thinking is Luton, Fulham, Luton, Fulham, can you win a league? Dropping points to them. Four points especially. No, you can't. Um, and then, obviously, we, we came back. And, and when Endo scored the goal, I was really happy with the, the players that stood out because the players that have been criticised, you know, Trent's been heavily criticised and he stands up once again. With Taru Endo, man, I just, I loved it. And you could see the, the captaincy coming through him. I thought he was excellent when he came on the pitch. He was everywhere. But when he scored that goal, it was absolutely not. You get that ball and we get back and we go again. Yeah. Um, Costas Simakas, brilliant. Loved his performance as well. McAllister, I thought when he was on the pitch defensively, I thought he was really, really good as well. Obviously, he scores the banger. Um, so, yeah, I just felt exhausted and I felt like, oh, my God, like now it's, it's all over to you. I, I was just picturing at full time, put that on in Manchester City's dressing room right now. That's I'm, all I wanted. I'm glad it was an interesting game because um, Chloe's basically covered every topic um, oh, in, a, so in, a, in a neat 40, uh, 40 second combo there. Um, Steve Plunk, it was, um, yeah, it was just... 
I didn't expect that to be one of the memorable games, as we were saying. It's it's Fulham. We got through Man City. I mentioned the post match, but you know, me and Chris have been having a discussion about how that City game and Trent scoring the goal and doing the shush was probably likely the biggest sort of moment uh, to come between now and, and Christmas because of the the sort of profile of the teams that were due to play. But you know, trust Liverpool, trust Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool to find a new way to get us super excited. I'm with you, Chris. That it can't be a classic, but it is kind of thing. I think the goals—it's the goals that make the difference. We get ourselves back from adversity. We don't just do it by scruffy goals. We're banging top bins every time we try it out. We even the free kick comes off the bar. They're desperate to give it as an own goal. Um, it's just the most Liverpool way to do things, isn't it? It's certainly a Jurgen Klopp way to do things. We there's been a number of games where we've thought. Where's this going? And you're right, if you come out of that game with a draw or a defeat, you're thinking that puts a massive dent in any aspirations we've got of, of, of challenging City or whoever it might be at the end of the season. But the character, as Dan said in his little match report, I had a little look at that earlier. The character of the side to, to not, we keep seeing this, don't we? They're not dead and buried. They don't know when they're beat. Yeah. And I think this is the, the new players in the side, the, the, the Endos, the Sobbers, Lies, the McAllisters. They've got legacies to build. They've got memories to make and things for the fans to latch on to. So they're not in the in the sort of same mindset as the older players who go, we've been here before and actually I'm not that bothered. It really means a lot to them and you can see it. And, and the way it ends is, is, is just absolutely brilliant. Were we crap or boss? At times crap and at times boss. <laughs> <laughs> when we were crap, we were really crap. Yeah. Um, but when we were boss, we were really boss. Yeah, well said, mate. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's it. Like, I... Um, we we yeah we we were actually we dominated them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we 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 did dominate them but like and that that game for me and this is in no way a slight on Cueve and Kelleher but it's a much more comfortable game with Arsene Becker in between the sticks yeah. because of the way that we play because of the way that we give up the chances we've almost become accustomed to Alisson just saving those mad ones that we give away um, because he is the best in the world and what we've got right now is a goalkeeper who is Premier League class but not world class mm-hmm. and we're playing exactly the same way and you know the, there's things that Kelleher will be able to do better I've no doubt about it but there's things that Kelleher won't be able to do that Alisson Becker can and you can't have a go at Kelleher for that that's just we've become accustomed to the best goalkeeper in the world being at Anfield between the sticks saving these massive ones for us time and time again and you're almost you're almost parked them when you win 4-0 because it, it kind of doesn't matter anymore because you scored four goals but he still made three massive saves and so he saved you from being in one of them mad situations that you have to be um, so for me like look it's part and parcel when you've not got Alisson and you've not got Robertson and by the way I agree with you I thought Costas Timakas was unbelievable and, and just seems to be getting better and better they are still a huge miss for us they do take something away from us and Jürgen is very much like you know is, is, is in the news at the moment Hans Postacoglu he's got one way of playing for us mm-hmm. and he's not going to change that because we haven't got Alisson Becker in goal so we might concede a few more goals it might get a little bit hairy at times but we've got the players there who can step up and score the goals that thankfully need, need, we need to win the game and it was actually nice to see it wasn't the forwards yeah. in some way like just having the midfielders all score I mean like McAllister's is maybe the best first goal for a club you're ever going to see. Mm. Um, but Endo's, the calmness with which he takes it. He like, like, rounds the ball to be able to... My he, he doesn't run onto it. And McAllister runs onto it. And the way he strikes it is just because of how where the ball is and where he's coming. Exactly. Endo has to like kind of shuffle around it to be able to get that, that curl on. No, it, it's brilliant. Let's just stick with Keller a second, uh, Chloe, because... 
he I've seen a, an artist really nice I've seen a lot of people in comments on on, on Redman I've seen it over on my channel as well people saying like don't say don't slaughter Kelleher don't you know give him too much he's a young goalie he needs to improve I've seen a couple of negative comments naturally because it's football um, but yeah I, I, I just I feel a bit sorry for him I really I really do at times because as, as, as Chris says he's, he's in this Allison shaped silhouette when he plays in goal for Liverpool and he's not that big and he's not He's not that good. I think he's absolutely fine. But it goes back to my point a little bit on the, the podcast. Was it last week or even the match preview? Of like, I just want him to save more stuff, and that's not that didn't help. But I'm bought on the the positive for him. There was one moment I think it, I don't know if it was after their first or second, and the ball got played back to him, and it got he got it stuck in his feet inside the six yard box, and I went, oh my god, this is the moment where he's going to crumble it. He's going to give the ball away, and we're going to be in all kinds of trouble. And he just managed to clear his feet in time and move the ball on and it didn't actually hamper how he played so actually I think that's a, that is a, a positive for a goalie coming in out the cold and yeah could he do a bit better with one or two of the goals perhaps but yeah I actually thought he actually kept his all round composure pretty well um, disagree <laughs> Chloe blocks him ready to bring out the uh, close go on no it's, it's, it's hard because I think I mentioned this after the game on, on my reaction is that He's a yo-yo in this team. He, you know, he's he's not played fully with this back four because these aren't the players that play in Europa League. Yeah. He's a cup competition goalkeeper. He's not going to be able to do what Alison Becker does because Alison Becker is unbelievable. Um, but I think also a year ago, year and a half ago, I think we were all probably sat here saying, oh my God, he's the second, you know, he's the best backup goalkeeper yeah. in, in the league. And I'm not sure you can say that. Uh, in fact, you can't say that right now, I don't think. Um, and I don't I don't think it's fully him to blame. He's dropped into a team. He's not in rhythm. So like that is very important for a goalkeeper. For, you know, players, midfielders, it all it's, it's muscle memory. It all comes back to you straight away. With a goalkeeper, it, it's not like that. You've got to have, you've got to be in those situations to recognise them week in week out to know where your positioning should be to you know where you are um, in in the centre of your goal and yeah look you can support a lad and also turn around and be honest and say he wasn't great I didn't think he was great but in the end it doesn't matter because other players have pulled him through that um, he makes a good save in the second half which that is the that I don't know when it was to be perfectly honest yes I think it is and he gets down quite sharp and at least he's got that to go off I'm I'm quite happy he's got something Mm -hmm. out of there to go off Um, and I I mentioned it midweek against uh, Lask he made a brilliant reaction save and it's those little moments he needs to make sure that he brings into the next game so that mentally isn't all over the place Uh, but the, the, the only thing when I look at him I just think you don't look big enough like you need to make yourself big you need to make yourself opposing you need to make the attacker think where the hell can I put this ball and I don't think he's he's just he's not filled out he's not not the kind of player Alison is I I agree with that and that's that's a that's a physique thing as well as as well as actually an an ability thing but this is the thing sometimes is that people forget how rare really good goalies are and like we've you know, in, in what, 130 odd years of Liverpool Football Club, there's probably been like three or four truly great top of the top of the pile goalkeepers. Really, I mean, you get into a different sport. I think when you get into like pre-60s, so it's harder, it's harder to judge. But you're talking about like Clements and Allison loom large in that sort of mm. role. Keller is fine. 
and there's lots of absolutely fine goalkeepers, but he's more at the moment, uh, you know, he's more Mignolet than Allison. And what I mean by that is, like, it's like Chris's point. He's a good goalie. We might have to, and um, what we, we get used to it. You know, he's not going to be as good as Allison Becker. If he happens to get better than this, then great, we'll be in a very good position. But it goes back to my starting point of. It is what it is. Your second goalie is never going to be as good as your as your first choice goalie, and your second choice goalie is certainly never going to be as good as your first choice goalie when your first choice goalie is the best goalie in the world. And that's we're all guilty of judging him against the best goalkeeper in the world. And there yeah. can only be one best goalkeeper in the world. So I take your point about the the presence, the aura. It, it kind of I look at him and I think he looks more like some that a boy's owned and he does like like <laughs> Roy the Rovers type of things. You know, I mean, it's got, he looks, he doesn't have it, does he? You know, Alisson comes in and straight away everyone stands tall and thinks, Alisson's boss, no problem, we've got this. Alisson stands up for the Tete goal, by the way, and that doesn't become a thing. Mm. That's just, as you said, if you're not playing every single week, you can't you can't get, gain muscle memory, you can't gain understanding of the, the pace of the Premier League. Cup games are very different to the Premier League. You know, I, the first goal, I don't think you can do much about the first goal. I think there's other players in the team you could look at and say, why does that get to there? I'm a very big, go back to the source of the problem and look at that type of guy. But I think he's okay, he's fine. Um, I don't know whether he's got, I think come the summer we have another conversation about where, where he sees himself and we've got the Pizzaluka sort of ready to step into those shoes as a number two. So yeah, it's a bit harsh on him to be fair, but but he is what he is. He's a second choice goalkeeper that doesn't play a whole bunch of games. He's 25 now and well, this, is the, this is the turning point of his career. You know, he, he, everyone else is a kid. So again, it goes back to the thing. We can go, people can be upset around him and be annoyed with his performance, fine, but actually we've got to trust that he gets better and the coaching staff get around him and actually, you know, kind of what we've been saying already, Chris, the defence needs to be better because yeah. at least that first, that first one in particular, it's a, shot, it's a shot on target from basically inside the six-yard box. That's, that's criminal defending. It goes yeah, between his legs. It is what it is. I, I'm sort of torn at the moment on, on how I actually feel about it because there's a part of me that thinks 25. You're still young in terms of goalkeeper age. You're probably not young in terms of outfield age anymore. But experience-wise, he's still a young footballer in terms of first team. You know, he doesn't play under 20 games or anything like that anymore. Hasn't done for a little while, so he's not getting that experience week in, week out of playing football all the time um, in competitive games. But there is another part of me that remembers Adrian being in goal for 10 games. Mm -hmm. And his job's not to win you the league. His job's to make sure you don't lose the league. And I think we're, you know, the difference between that side when Adrian was in goal for those 10 games while Alisson was missing is the defence was much, much better like miles better defensively. We just didn't concede the same amounts of shots and, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And we were confident going into it and stuff like that. Whereas Kelleher's job is still the same. It's don't lose, is it? And to be fair to him, I think every one of those goals, you know, over, over the last week or so, you could go, you could do better. But it, there's, there's no like terrible ones there for me where you look at an honor and go... <laughs> So in some ways, as a second goalkeeper coming in, he's doing his job. He's not losing us anything. And I think he deserves maybe a little bit of credit for that because it would be easy to go in and make mistakes. Mm -hmm. He's not making mistakes. He's just not as good as Alisson. 97% pass completion on the day as well, which I know a lot of it's just shorts from goal kicks and stuff, but actually he does still play his way. You know, he's still lobbing stuff over forwards and playing stuff, playing tricky passes and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fine. I just thought it was worth mentioning. I I don't think we need to slaughter the goalkeeper anyway. And I think it's one of them that a little bit of just... 
laissez-faire attitude on it because what else what else are we going to do it's it's December Adrian's not coming in because we know what you're getting with Adrian and as much as we can remember that he he, he was a real steady-ish pair of hands at the start of that league title win he's been rubbish since like he's been he cost Liverpool goals in loads of stupid ways since then and everyone else is a kid is a kid so they're not ready you know what I would say is though is that like the Kelleher from those finals against Chelsea where he was making he was saving us those games that's the difference yeah. so you mentioned you know Adrian where he didn't lose us the title but in those games and I know the cup competitions but it was Chelsea and Chelsea actually you know there was, there was a game there where he could have finished 4-3 or anything like that 4-4 and it finished 0-0 but you had Kelleher and he was yeah. he was making himself big he was he was unbelievable in those games, and he obviously gets the—he has the confidence to slot it to win us the the Carabao Cup. I just think m- maybe right now because he's so in and out the team, and I saw him do a press conference a couple of weeks ago um, when he was—it must have been one of the, the first away European games—and he kept being questioned about what his goals are because you're not going to beat Alison Becherie, and that was the question posed to him. And right now he was just well, I just want to focus on on the now. I want to be a number one in the future, and I need to focus on how to get there. So I I think maybe his performance is actually down to not mentality in a bad way, but a lack of confidence in the fact that right now I think he expected to go in the summer he wanted to go in the summer Liverpool didn't allow him to um, or we at least came to a kind of conclusion of oh no let's spend one more season together because you guaranteed this Um, so I also think that the Kelleher from that Carabao Cup is, is still there. He just okay, needs yeah. to find himself again. He needs to have the belief and confidence. You're not going to get that without rhythm, though, which is why I said in being in and out the team, because you've got Alison Becker there, it just can't have helped him. Uh, you saw it against Southampton the last game of the season. It was all over the place, but you just dropped him in a game. Yeah. You can't expect him to be unbelievable. This is the, the difference between then and now, and I agree with you, by the way, but the difference is there is no Alison. There's a there's a pressure with comes yeah. with comes with being Liverpool's number one. He was chosen above Allison in those competitions. He knew that all the way along, yeah, and that's yeah. absolutely fine. But he's the number one now because Allison's injured, mm. and that just mentally is different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, what was the best goal of the four that we scored, Steve? It's got to be McAllister's. It's got to be okay. It's ridiculous, by the way. It's outrageous. An absolutely ridiculous strike. Are we all in agreement? Or? It's uh, yeah, hundred percent McAllister. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's um it's not even close. Technique is outrageous. It's it's a it's a strike that gets better every time you watch it because I think we see a lot of those like you can care you see a lot of careless into the top corner. I think that Jordan Henderson's away at Chelsea is probably like the perfect example of that as good as that type of strike can be. But the fact that it's it's it almost bends out but also manages to maintain its straightness enough does it even does it, does it clip on the... It, it's just... Oh yeah, okay. I'll have that. Like if anyone wants said, to make a case, lose the comments on the... It's like what you said before. Why. The shape of the ball makes it what it is as well. The ball's yeah. coming across him and he just hits the sweet spot, doesn't he? So he gets all the spin on the ball and hence his trajectory. But, you know, if you're going to pick your first goal, as Chris said, it might be the best first goal ever scored for a club. If you're going to pick one, you'd pick that one if you could, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think he came out and said it was his best goal he's ever scored as well, wasn't it? Like... Um, it, those those are the types that they, they're just begging to be it. Those like little half volleys and stuff, aren't they? You just you don't get them so perfectly set up for you very often. They're, 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 they're rose headers, them. 
all day. Well, yeah, because again, when you're trying to curl it, naturally the ball is going down. <laughs> Whereas when you're hitting it on the volley and you're striking almost across the ball like that, the nat- what that ball wants to do is, it doesn't want to go there, it wants to go. Think at like 40, it yeah, exactly. It wants to go at a 45 degree <laughs> angle minimum off and probably curl back over your head while it's doing it. Um, I do feel a little sorry for him in that regard and probably more over endo, Chloe, because like... I mean, nobody's talking about them because of the nature, the, the balance of the game. People will remember McAllister's because it's just such a good goal, yeah. but like Endo's one, it's brilliant. Unbelievable. And it should be, we should be talking about it as the goal of the game, but it's probably the third best strike. And it's <laughs> the third, it's not, I don't know whether, I don't know how you rank them on importance, but ultimately, the importance of it is totally overshadowed by Trent scoring scoring the winner. Yeah, that that finish is honestly unbelievable. Um, it's the way like he's passed it in, but it's had so much power that it's beat Leno. It's not. It, I don't even feel like it's in top top corner. But I think the goalkeeper's just not expecting it to have that much velocity on it to go past him. Um, and Endo, he, he deserved that moment because mm. it, you know. He was boss when he came on, seriously. I remember two minutes afterwards, uh, after we get the winner, he's putting in a crunching tackle on someone and probably the stadium goes more wild for that than it did for his goal. I'm going to stop you, Chloe. Show of hands, who was happy when when it, when it Gravenberch comes off and it's Endo who replaces him? Who was happy? Who, anyone have a little bit of a... Huh? Or, uh, oh, I had a big word inside my head with Jürgen. <laughs> me and Jürgen were disagreeing with each other quite a lot at the time. Like, Because I'm like, going, what's he doing? Harvey Elliott's on the bench there. Kurt Jones is on the bench. What's he going to do? And then I turn around to Josh Williams who was sat, sat next to him at the game. Like, He's got to be throwing St. Alexander-Arnold further up the field. He's got to be endo and, he, you know, and all that type of stuff. And, and then he comes on and I'm like, what's he going to do though, really? Chris and I, and I'm having this conversation with Jürgen really in my head. Like, what are you going to do? Jürgen just laughing what's, at you. What's he going to do? And he's going, no, oh, you trust and do you? You need to turn into a believer. Um, Is he this. a <laughs> 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 He was in this conversation because it makes it better. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I was fuming. I was absolutely fuming with it. And then, you know, ten minutes later or so, I, I congratulated Jürgen on a great decision. Shook hands <laughs> in your head. Yeah, but it wasn't even his first shot of the game, and those no, he no. gets another one from yeah, time. Yeah, he just before, and doesn't he? Gets blocked and just goes past the post. Yeah, that, I thought that was in because yeah. you know, you know, when them them mad angles where they get a deflection, you just think it's nestling and, and all that type of stuff. But Chloe's right; the strike's absolutely brilliant. It's not in the top bin, and it's almost why it's not one of the higher higher rank goals yeah. for me. Because, but it is so under control and so sweetly hit, and it's not rushed for a DM. You'd, you'd expect that, you know. You see Robertson rush shots every week while he's in the side. Don't it was you? Messy, just, oh, mate, everything about Go it. Go on, then the sub. I I thought we'd lost a little bit of control. Uh, like so, I was like, we've gone to a forty. So you were happy with the substitution? I, I don't. I, I could understand <laughs> it. I could understand it. That's what I want to say. I was like, Gravenberch has lost his legs completely. In fact, when Sobo went off, I thought it could have been him or Gravenberch. I thought yeah. they'd both lost their legs by this point. And bit of mind, I thought Gravenberch had a really, really good first half. Yeah. I thought he just as his legs went, he got a, he faded a little bit. And when Endo came on. I in my head I just kept thinking we're losing the ball it's it, we've made it a yard dog game where everyone's just chasing things and things aren't sticking to anyone which is why I don't know whether you mentioned Cody Gapper but I loved when he came on as well because he held the ball up which was no one what no one else could do um so yeah I, I understood it but I also did sit there and think 
Harvey Elliott and Curtis. And I just assumed, well, it's because we're going hell for leather. We're going out for the win. We need to We need to come back. We need to get the win. Uh, anything but three points here is absolutely horrific, which means put a DM on and make sure Trent just pushes right up the pitch and you've got basically Enzo, Virgil, Canate, good luck. And the rest of you all just move up there. So I, I understood it in the moment. I didn't actually question it, I don't think, which was a bit mad. I was all right with it at the time because Gravin Bertus mentioned he just stopped being able to close down. You know, he, he just looked absolutely done. And as much as I think in my head prior to that, I was thinking probably get Curtis on here because it's just a natural swap, isn't it? But as soon as I saw Endo warming up, I was like, cool, because we could just do with winning the ball here because yeah. the only way we're going to actually win this game is if we keep the ball in their half of the pitch and the best way to do that is have someone who can actually get get over and tackle and wants to, wants to get in the faces a little bit. Stay, so you watching it at home, how was your reaction to it? I, I thought you could see, as everybody else has said, Gavin Bates was done, needed to come off. He just wasn't really giving us anything. Um, Interesting, I've seen, seen the thing Josh said that uh, Endo's become a guy who likes to pick the ball up on the half turn. And and we needed that to be fair, and he gets the ball and gives it to people very quickly who, who can do the damage. Whereas Curtis tends to hang on a little bit at times. We've all discussed about Curtis's decision making when he keeps the ball for too long, where he doesn't see a pass quick enough. Endo doesn't really want the ball; he wants to win it back, get it on the half turn, create a bit of space, and then give it to somebody like a Trent playing in a more advanced position, like a, in previous games, like a Sobersley or to a Salah. So I think the urgency came back into the side a little bit because that's what he wants to do. He knows he's not going to carry the ball for 40 yards and beat a man. That's not his game. So I think it's, it's a questionable one because it's not really an attack-minded decision, but it ends up being exactly that. So and it's kind that of That was the main criticism I had from people around me of like, you're chasing a game, what are you bringing a defensive midfielder on yeah. for? But of course, the way, the players we had on the pitch didn't make sense at that point anyway. You know, it felt, honestly, yeah. and I, I stand by this because obviously I was talking about you know, what I felt like in the game there. It felt like Klopp was rectifying an earlier mistake. And I think the earlier mistake was taking McAllister off and not grabbing back uh-huh. because, you know, you referenced it, everyone's referenced it. We lost control when McAllister went off the field. Yeah. And it was like, shit, I've, I've, I've gone too far here. I need to bring that balance back by putting Endo on. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting call. I thought the the, the comparison actually between Gravenberg and Sobersly is really interesting. And look, it's weird. I feel like we've been quite negative on this so far in a game at Liverpool. You know, one of my it's going to be one of my favourite wins of the season. There's very it's going to take a lot to top that that feeling. But Dominic Sobersly, I want to talk about Chris because I think quietly he's in a little bit of a a bad run of form for us and I've just got I've got sofa score up and interesting that he I mean sofa score sofa score gave him a 7.3 rating to Gavin Bates a 6.7 but the heat maps tell me what, why you already knew about both their performances I felt like the left hand side our left hand side of the pitch was was working really well but our right side was a bit dysfunctional now match the day and everyone who does the analysis always go well Trent's moving out and it's like yawn I know but I don't think Sobersly did enough going back the other way. And I actually don't think Salah did enough going back the other way as well. Salah had another poor game. Sobersly didn't didn't really have loads of tangible impact. I mean, he wins the free kick for the Trent scores, which is which is fair. And he's fine in a neat and tidy way. But it feels like I think of the two, particularly first half, I thought Gavin Birch was much better than him. He definitely faded, but it feels a bit like I think we need to be careful with him. We've obviously played him a lot. Um 
he's yeah, it's he's not being less this explosive impact. I think in the last few games. That no, I was hoping no, for. he's yeah. We were talking about it on the game on the way home from the game. I think he's just gone off the boil a little bit. To be honest with you, I think you know we're getting to that stage now where when we, when we watch Liverpool attack, I can start to see that one touch two touch football coming back in in the attacking third and that's really exciting and and what normally happens I think back to you know when Bobby and Salah and Mane started to do it is it doesn't work for a bit but you can see they're trying it and then all of a sudden that timing just get becomes perfect and, and it starts to work for, for the first half I felt like that we were getting that down that right hand side but Sobos like kept letting us down with the, the back, back heels. heels and those little flicks around the corner that were just a foot away from from the man the timing wasn't quite there so I think he's seeing the game I, I just don't think he's quite executing at the moment and that normally is probably a tiredness thing I think mm-hmm. for, for me so and, but Gavin Burke brilliant in the first half but I do have to say this is a continued trend that I'm seeing now, week in, week out with Gravenberg. He doesn't put 90 minutes together, mm-hmm. or I should say, he hasn't put 90 minutes together. I still believe that he can do, and he's an absolute threat whenever he's on the ball. He just scares teams, he just drives at them, and he panics them, and he changes the landscape. When he picks the ball up, by the time he's driven 10, 15 yards, the entire game's changed in front of it's him. It's actually very... And it's creating space, and it's... Go on. It's very... Like, he's got, like, the he's doing the Wijnaldum-y things right, I think, in terms of box-to-box, but that's a very Naby Keita trait. It's an Oxlade-Chamberlain 17-18 thing for right. me, and I've said this for a few weeks now, and, you know, it, it does, everything just changes. And, and yeah, Naby had a little bit of it and stuff like that. But I want to see him be able to do it for 90 minutes. That's what I need to see next from, from him. Um, so, I th- listen, I think that that was the midfield that I was excited to see. And I'm glad that we got to see it. But I don't think the right-hand side's quite working as well as the left. And I think that's a little bit down to Mo and his form at the moment. Um, I think that's a little bit down to Soboslai maybe not being quite at it at the moment. Uh, and I think there's also that adaptation maybe of Trent's positioning is changing that right-hand side. And at least my understanding of how that's supposed to work. Because I knew how it worked with Henderson and Trent and Salah for years. That's the most minutes he's played in a football match for us this season, Gavin Birch. Um, and the only one that's, that matches that is Luton at 83 but I, I couldn't tell you what the injury time was in the first half of the Luton game so it's actually it says 83 minutes on here but in reality it's more like it was 90, 50 more like 93 minutes I think in the first half that we ended up playing yeah so he's played he's played a, he's, back, he's put a full this is probably his full his first full game of football <laughs> he's the, I think it was the longest first half of football I've ever seen yeah. it felt like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah particularly when the lads were passing the ball around themselves for, yeah. for five minutes while Honestly, was on his head like, you know, we talk about the adaptation for like the, the right hand side I was talking about it then like there's people there who just need to sort the pints out at half time because they're still going down on 38 and they're missing like 20 minutes of the match yeah. like the, people just need to get their head around this like and, and again like the people who I, I was laughing at the amount of people that left on 80 yeah. laughing at them just ridiculous it's fucking stupid what it's are you beyond, doing it's beyond stupid I, I would contend because again look I'm not going to get into this because I'm sure someone there's always someone who can give me a great reason there'll be someone in the comments going but my wife was giving birth like yeah you not you not you you don't care you shouldn't have been at the match in the first place if that's the case um, but it's, it's like anything like you know what I mean it's like <laughs> yeah Rafa Benitez wouldn't have been happy with you but you know Jürgen would um, the, yeah you know like, oh, I've got to get me train ah, like do something else. You know what I mean? Don't come. <laughs> you know, what I mean? if you can't get back, don't come or find some way to, to stay longer. It's mad. Because you're right. This side, we like what is that now? 
it's at least 12 points we've recovered from losing positions. That's probably 15 now, is that? Yeah, maybe? Um, it was 12. It was 12 during that case. It would have been 15, I guess, because we were, we were behind. So, like... What 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 do you what do you yeah just stay I get it I get, I do I, I know I get it if you if you if you're a Liverpoolian or in the surrounding areas of Liverpool and you come every week and somehow that's like it's part of your routine I know I know I know I know nah um, Alex Awobi or Vinicius Junior anyone <laughs> anyone still Vinny. Fuck it. No, I mean, like... What, what? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, we made him look incredible. That's what, that's what I'm time for. So Fucking sure. Alex Wilby. Can I just say, like, the most... Um, you know when you're like an ex-Everton player and he's probably coming into this game going, I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered here. I want to watch out X-Blue, True Blue. And, like... No one even gives Nobody shit. even gives I don't think anyone even realised he played for Everton. You know, people, I, 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 I think he, he got a half-hearted blue and white shy from about seven people on the cop uh, in the first couple of minutes and that, that was to it. To be fair, I feel like he pissed them off anyway, so I'm yeah. quite happy with them, yeah. to be honest. So your point before about Sobber's like, so what they did was they pushed... A lot of times he pushed the Wobie into the space where they expected Trent to be, and that affected Sobber's life because that's in the vicinity of. And then when Trent's not there, he's getting an, an extraordinary amount of time on the ball because you made the point he didn't think Sobber's like or Salah worked hard hard enough going back towards the goal. So by the the fact the way we played, the way we played, those two guys in particular, Trent and Sobber's and then obviously Salah didn't track too much. He's got ridiculous amount of time on the ball, and 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 he will look good given that opportunity. I think we helped him look anything like a footballer, which he's never looked like before. By the way, yeah, fair play. Their last I was good. You, you, I don't want to talk too much about it because you know I'd rather talk about us. But like the Robinson, the left back, Pereira was really good as well. Awobi was really well, good. Well, Jimenez, I thought he was absolute dog crap, and then he came to Anfield and won every header I've ever seen. Yeah, Robinson was the one where I walked away going, "He's a player in my." He, he, yeah. he actually reminded me of Andy Robertson loads. Like he was just everywhere. It's like he did did brilliantly against Salah, and yet did brilliantly against Costa. That's normally I think left backs have to pick one or the other, don't they? Either if you're going to defend Salah, you've got to stay back. It's not often they defend Salah and get forwards and cause you a threat. He's the one who make Callagher makes the save from Robinson. Yeah, that low he down at his left hand side. Goal. He sets up Harry Wilson's goal. Um, there was a there was something else he was majorly involved with it as as well. I just thought he was everywhere. Like I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He gets marks down for spend, spelling his first name with two e's instead of a y though. So have um, you seen his Well, yeah, yeah. him and Pereira. That was the thing where I mean, he I didn't was... have the worst hairdo on the field. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, Darwin Nunes. Oh, oh, dear. So I did get, I put that on pre-match and a couple of people go like, oh, fucking get over you, you fucking trouble here, blah, 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 blah. I was like, like, it matters. There comes a point where, honestly, I think he'll be a better centre forward if someone just gives him a skinhead. If someone just goes in okay. there, and you know, even if it's like a moment where he's in front of the mirror and he like he ends up, you know, he, you know, blood coming dripping down, and he walks out, just he looked fucking stupid. And if you're gonna, and this is Liverpool, by the way, and, and look, where you know people can be who they want to be, but if you're gonna be who you want to be at Liverpool Football Club, you need to be brilliant at football. Like Lucas Leiva came into the football club with white boots and, and long hair and an Alice band. No, nope. and there's still people who never forgive. Him. No, no, there's a, there is a subsection of our fan base that has never let him let him, let him forget that John Aldridge being proprietor number one on Radio City every time Lucas got the ball. Yeah, you, you, you've got to earn the right. Like Trent's currently wearing white predators and fair play, mate, because you're absolutely rocking them. Um, Jude Bellingham's doing the same. Black predators, whoa, class, yeah, absolutely amazing. You can't have braids and pigtails playing for, for. And this is not like look again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very aware we're in danger of this sounding like it's a tirade against something else. It's really not. His hair just looks shit, and he just needs to. Fuck, if you're spending that much time thinking about your haircut, then you need to just fucking get rid of I it. Don't and start spending any goal. time thinking about his haircut. Oh, that's no, that, like that, that's, <laughs> that's that's what, that's what's gone wrong. You've braided hair before, Chris. That's not that's an a easy quick decision fix, to like, do. That yeah, 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 it is, isn't it? Yeah. I, um, he did have short hair for a little while at Benfica, and but I think that was on the pathway. To I like... don't know, but it, it, I, I just I didn't like his hair do anyway. Uh, him holding the fish, that famous mm. photo in pre-season, I just thought, oh my god, um, and I assumed I, you know, warrior mentality. Maybe that's what he's going for. Um, I've got I've got no idea what I saw on on Sunday to do with the it, it made me absolutely hard, but I did think to myself, if you just go with the the short hair that you had, turn into can I can I give you something here? Ronaldo rocks up for World Cup two thousand and two with, with a bit shaved up to the front, and he's got that stupid little wedge on the front of his head. But he just absolutely bosses the world. Absolutely bosses the World Cup. He's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So you go, yeah, fair enough. And I remember as a lad I played footy with, and he turned up on the. I think he, I think he'd gotten pissed the night before. We must have been. We must have been sixteen. And he turned up, and he basically had the Ronaldo cup, but he had longer hair. So effectively, it was like yeah, centre part, and but he had this thing up here, and he got onto it. He got ripped by the opposition, but he just decided he chipped. He decided he was going to chip the keeper, and he had four goals of chipping the keeper. On the fourth goal, he chipped the keeper and ran away and scored, and we won the game. Fair play, mate. Have whatever hair style you want Darwin but you've got to take those two chances <laughs> don't rattle the bar stick it in and that one where it dropped in Salah like inspirational header forward for him and you know yeah that <laughs> it's not often on a football field when you had the view that I had it, which was main stand up for, for yesterday's game 
that you're surprised by a pass. Normally, you can see much better than the people on the field. I honestly couldn't see Salah's header to Darwin Nunes. I just couldn't see it coming. Yeah, It was so Diaz it was going to on the left-hand side. It took me completely by surprise. And unfortunately, I don't think I was the only one, Darwin, was I? Um, because you just didn't get onto it. Like it's, it's a shocker, to be honest with you. I, I am starting to get a little bit annoyed by it, um, shall we say. Um, your point was, can I reiterate your point? Of course. <laughs> Maybe we should stop chatting support of Nunes. That's Nunes, not what he, I said. That, what, no, no, what I said was I'm all for chanting, chanting Nunes' name in support of him, but I would much rather chant it when he scored a fucking goal. I agree. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. And I stand by that. And it's totally true. <laughs> I really would much rather chant his name <laughs> when he scored a goal. The one where he hits the bar and everyone's like, Nunes, Nunes. And then he misses the second one and everyone's like, no, we're not even singing it this time. <laughs> Nunes. <laughs> it's kind Nunes. of, it's, it's become a thing where, oh, he's, he's trying really hard, but it's not quite there. So we'll, we'll, we'll give him some, yeah. get behind him and give him some support. Robbie Fowler's had pelters this week for coming out and saying he's 18 months into his Liverpool career. We're waiting for him to explode and he should have done it by now. And he's, he's, he's had a lot of, lot of, uh, stress and grief because of that I'm, I'm in total agreement he could have won that game by himself he's he's on track as his, I was doing I, some, I was looking into the numbers for, some, for another video but he's on track to basically have more goals and more assists than Bobby Firmino did in 18-19 for what he's doing he's so far the this season forward, he's the seller of this side yeah well yeah sort of the yeah he's just it's those chances I agree there's, there's going to come a point where We've tried giving being supportive. Maybe we just need to try being a bit more annoyed and being like, just yeah. stick the ball in the back we, of the head. Give him the carrot now, it's time for the yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, look, I, I really want him to succeed and I really like him. I love the endeavour that he showcases every single time he takes the field. I love the fact that he seems to get it and everything else for it. And Pardon? The passion. The passion, yeah, absolutely. But... I am starting to worry about whether he's ever going to get those goals that you that you count on him to get because, like I, I made the point yesterday, and it's of course it's it's it looks stupid after the Manchester City game. Said Harlem walks away with a hat trick there, but the point is he's averaging one point two, one point three shots per ninety more than Erling Haaland that has 10 goals less than him yeah. in the Premier League so far this season. He is dominating our shot counts week in, week out. Now, I think he only had three yesterday. I think Diaz had five in yesterday's game, so he actually didn't yesterday. But actually, I thought that was because he was a little too tentative in the first half and probably should have had a couple yeah. more shots yeah. than, than he actually ended up taking and stuff. Now, there's going to come a point where Liverpool, I think, and, and maybe it's at the end of this season, if, it's, if it carries on the same way they go, it's time to spin the wheel again. Yeah. Because it's great this. It looks really good. But I need a centre forward to score 30 goals a season. Yeah. Because it's not it's not gonna be Salah forever. And Darwin is the focal point. And Bobby Firmino wasn't the focal point of that side. And so listen, it sounds harsh because you know, he's playing well and his all round game's getting better, but He's in there to score goals, and he's not scored in six games for us. It's a, it's a. You can see the the pathway of mentality with the with the three shots. He has the first one; he doesn't quite get it get it away from the man. It's blocked. The second one, he absolutely blams it, so he hits, it hits the crossbar. And then that third one, I mean, that, that's actually weirdly the more. It's just the more difficult of them. Like it's coming on to him. It's kind of on his left foot, so it's it. He, he sweeps at it and, and misses it, but he's he's. He's clearly in his own head a little bit by that point because now I've got to take this one and it's a ramping pressure. Whereas there is just something to, you know, Erling Haaland, 
again, knockout on the weekend's game where he, his head completely falls off, which is fucking hilarious because someone points out it looks like the Atalanta badge when he's storming oh off God, the pitch, yes. which is absolute perfection, by the way. Honestly, <laughs> Google it. it. It looks like the okay, Atalanta that, badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just thought about what that was. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. But, like, you just... It needs to be more of a process. The ball stops. I just smacked the ball. This is how I hit the ball in these kind of... Well, Torres, Torres was more like that. Was was uh, Feels more clinical. Go on, Carl. The, the one in the first half, which I think you're thinking of, where he's literally in behind, he's on his right foot. And I just, it, it took me back to Newcastle where I was like, yeah, lads, just literally is it a cross goal. That, that's the goal that you've scored, like, you know, three, four times a season. And they've all been unbelievable. And you're closer to the goal. And instead, he tries to pull it back for either Salah or someone else. But in that moment, you're screaming to him, be selfish. You're the number nine. You're literally just, just kicking across goal. And it's it's a goal. It's a nailed on goal. And I think he has the self-doubt in that one. And I think because everyone then's like, what the hell are you doing? Why aren't you shooting? The second one in the second half, he stutters, doesn't take it first time, and everyone's like, "Why haven't you taken that first time?" So then the second, the second one he has, where like he, he belts it off the bar, he's put so much behind it because he didn't hit yeah. it first time the first. And one. this is the thing: it's it's it's, so it's, many. it's like trying to it's inventing strikes on the fly, and. Mane was a bit like that, to be fair. You know, like you know, you can never you can never rely on Sadio Mane if, if he was in a, a decent sh- scoring opportunity to be the guy who buried it. I think that Napoli game where you know it's Becker saved that actually gets us through. Mane should have had a hat stick in that game, and we should have been de- it should have been dead and buried long before we got there. That was just a bit of a difference. But this is the thing. But Balotelli had a bit of this too. I mean, he's much worse, a much worse footballer, Balotelli, horrendously bad footballer. But he. Always, I always felt like he was just going. I'll just try this and see what happens. I was like, nah, it just needs to be. And look, I, I, I still back. I, I'd still bank him to, to come because again, he's get, he is getting into the right positions. He is scoring goals. Okay, he's having a little bit of a dry spell at the moment. He does need a goal. Um, he's at least influenced. I think. Yeah, I think you look at yesterday's game, for instance. We, we, we spoke at the start of the show about is there a game with four better goals and is it a classic because of the four goals and the way that they were? It's taken four worldies to get him off the hook. Because he has two guilt-edged chances. Yeah. If we don't score those goals and we lose, who's who's to talk about today? Yeah, the mm-hmm. one in particular, the one that he hits the bar, like the pass from Salah is perfect. Yeah. It's like it couldn't be better weighted. He arrives at the time when you just got to you just got to kick it past the goalie and you're you're a centre forward. And yeah, being too emphatic and God knows we've all done it on. I don't FIFA think he knows what he is in terms yeah. of his finishing style. I don't think he, he he's got it in his mind what he what yeah. what he is. Emil Eski was a bit like that as well, you know, wasn't he? You know, he, he could never decide whether he wanted to just absolutely yeah. leather it. And the moment he's decided to start being having a bit more finesse was the, the treble season and beyond where he scored goals in absolutely yeah, I think, I think Chloe's point's really good about how every chance seems to sort of impact the next finish mm-hmm. whereas like you think it's always used about goalkeeper just forget it you know what I mean elderly goalkeeper just forgets the mistake and yeah. just cracks on but it all does seem to just build up on him doesn't it and he, and he is in his own head and listen I, I do hope that it clicks because we saw the amount of goals that he got for Benfica in that season where it clicks. So you know that he can do it. Um, but it also, you know, to Robbie Fowler's point, I suppose, that you brought up before, we are 18 months in. I kind of expected it to click yeah. by now. And I'm not... It sounds terrible because it sounds like I'm in a bad mood with them and all that type of stuff, but... There is, I am, I know I'm not, because I think his all-round <laughs> game's like really improved. But it does make me think, can Liverpool win the league with him playing like this? Mm. 
We've got points. We've got <laughs> points. Does. And your points about maybe spinning the wheel in the summer. We're, we're a prolific goal scorer away from dominating because we're getting creating chances in games. He's not taking them. There's, you know, you look at City, seven goals conceded against uh, Chelsea and, and then obviously at the weekend. We didn't open up and, and, and our number nine didn't say, right, I'm going to I'm gonna have a go at these. He didn't do it. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't think he knows what he is. And whilst he doesn't know what he is, he's not going to score his goals at win football matches. I also don't think he was helped because Sorry. Salah was appalling and Luis Diaz, Sorry. I was so frustrated with, with how bad, bad Luis Diaz was as well. Um, so it wasn't just him. The entire front three were ab- absolutely stunk the gaff out, really. <laughs> Salah still comes away with an assist and Darwin comes away with two pre-assists in terms of... The knockdown for, you know, Salah to then pass it to Endo is really good. And he, he, I mean, he's put a ball in the box for the second one where Trent scores, but still he's alive to it. Um, But I'll slightly let him off the hook for this one. The Luton one, I couldn't really let him off the hook. It's literally a sitter. Like, you should be a goal poacher. All three of them were crap up top. Um, So I, I, I assume the fact that Luis Diaz wasn't having his best game and the fact that Mo Salah wasn't having his best game and the fact that None of them helped each other. Well, we talked about this before. You know, in in Liverpool's pomp under Klopp, you had three guys. You were all on their best seasons, twenty goal a season forwards playing in a front three. So if one didn't get you, one of the other two would get you. We've changed that now. We've now got a twenty plus goal a season forward in in Salah. You've then got fifteen to twenty in. Darwin Nunes, you've probably got a 10 to 15 max probably in, in, in Diaz on that side, but we've actually bought midfielders who hopefully pick up the slack in, in replacements of that because we can't replace that, what that front three is. And that's, you know, again, the beauty of the squad. This wasn't, you know, when Scott McTominay scores for Man United a couple of weeks ago, you go, well, that's not solving any of their problems because he's never going to yeah. be the guy whose goals are going to solve your problem. Whereas if Trent Alexander-Arnold scoring a goal, okay, yeah, then though maybe less of an issue in this. But, you know, if McAllister's scoring goals, you know he's got goals in him. There's more the goals to come from him. There's more goals to come from Trent. Sobers like should be scoring more goals, grabbing birds because as a already scored goals can get get more goals that's good it's a good it's a, it's a positive nothing else I want to move on I want to show you the, just for those of you who haven't been bothered to google it there is the Atlanta badge if anyone's wondering it. it's just just <laughs> absolute Erling Haaland storm off perfection um, I was going to mention actually when we were talking about Nunes' hair that he's he's got the second worst hair out of the elite strikers in the Premier League after Haaland Haaland's is terrible man yeah. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is it, yeah. like, but it, again it, it, when he's when he's when he's ready for the match it's I'm, I've got no problems with it it's when he takes the fucking thing bobble out it, I don't know what he looks like a fucking Barbie doll that's been ragged around by a three year old he's weird Barbie do you know what he? I mean yeah. it's just yeah. weird man yeah um, but again <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a weird haircut, score fifty goals a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it's fine. do what you, do what you want to do. Tell you what, son, you can keep your hair. Yeah, yeah honestly, you can do what he can do what he wants. He can tie around his armpits if he wants to. It's when the ball's added to you in the box, you don't even connect with it. Your, yeah. your haircut, yeah. haircut comes under scrutiny even more, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, on the Man City thing, we're going to be doing more on them drawing with Tottenham Hotspur on the Bias Football Podcast, which follows this over on RedmanPlus.com. So join us for that one, of course. Um, up to second in the league, Steve Plunkett. How are you feeling? Yeah, we're we're ahead of we're ahead of schedule if there is such a thing as a schedule. Um it's a weird season, isn't it, where no one really wants to grab the bull by the horns, but you know, take it. Uh we you you would think we can only get better in terms of we're like what, fifteen, sixteen games into into this project and we're we we are where we are. So yeah, keep keep going. Um find someone who can get us a few goals, a prolific have a prolific streak. 
you know, it's where we're going to probably miss Jota because he, he is a bit mm. more prolific, isn't he? Um, we're in it and, and, and we deserve to be in it. And I think if we just believe it, and it's a mad thing to say because we've turned into doubters to believers, but if we can, a few of the lads can push on and have a bit more self-belief and put teams to the sword, we, we, we should be right there at the mix in the end. We have this every season and you know every football team has this every season as you come into this period and moreover when we have a successful season, Chloe, is that players are tested, you go you have injuries, you lose players and other lads have got to step up, you know, and Keller is is part of that. You know, Luis Diaz is gonna get more game time now with no no jotter available. If he wants to hold down that role, he's gonna to have to score some more goals. I think he's done okay. He's actually unlucky enough to get one with a header as well, you know, in, in, in the game with the weekend. Um it's a good save that one, isn't it? Yeah, and, and obviously Darwin as well. But this is the, this is the point. Players have got to rise to the challenge. If they rise to the challenge, Liverpool are going to be right in the mix. And so far, they've all risen pretty well to it. Um, so yeah, I don't know about you, but I, I just I just feel really calm about the whole thing. If I'm if I'm honest, I, I genuinely believe we're pretty good. It's the first time I've really thought it was. I've actually wanted to really talk about it again because everything's kind of been up in the air. City never really gave us that firm like, wow, it's definitely on kind of moment. And look conceding three goals at home to Fulham and needing worldies to win it isn't necessarily the one but um, yeah I, I don't know I, I, I'm feeling quite content when I look at the table at the moment because I'm not as scared of Arsenal as I am of Manchester City No that's it and I think why I was all over the shop in terms of emotions for that Fulham game is because like we mentioned the next three games which were Fulham Crystal pa- Sheffield United and Crystal Palace are all winnable games Liverpool should take maximum points and if you take maximum points out of them City had to play Spurs and they've got to play Villa midweek yeah. um, so with no Rodri with no Rodri so it very much felt like at 3-2 down you thought to yourself no, like the, you, you lose here at home to, to Fulham and there's there is a point when you get to the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United, there is a point, but it just feels like if you beat Arsenal at Anfield, but you drop points yeah, to yeah, Fulham, it's yeah. like you, you need them both to go hand in hand. You need, um, you, you can't beat the big teams and the teams challenging and then drop points along the way to teams that you should be putting those, to the sword. Those are top four challenging seasons, exactly. Chris. What Chloe's talking yeah. about there. That's absolutely right, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you, you draw against Luton, you draw against Manchester City, and then it, this draw against City is almost rendered completely pointless. Not pointless because you get a point, but you know what I mean. Jesus. Because you go and you go and don't win against against Fulham, but thankfully it's not. And in sort of answer to your question to Chloe and to Steve for myself, I think I'm more stressed about it now because I think I can see a clear pathway, like a really clear pathway to winning the league. Because I don't think City are as good, and I think that does have to do with Kevin De Bruyne not being in the side. I think consistency-wise and all that type of stuff, uh, they're not quite there yet. I still think they'll get there. So it's it's about just making, taking every little advantage that you can, can get at this point of the season. And that's why I'm maybe being hypercritical over the likes of Darwin Nunes and Diaz and Salah's form over the last few months because... I feel like we it's on this year and like it I'm heightened I, I'm like anxious about it again because that's good that's an important part of building a league title or building a, a side that can challenge isn't it when every little detail you walk away with three points 
you should be absolutely on cloud nine and I'm looking at it going, we need to be better there. We need to be better there because I really do think Liverpool can win the league. We we know what we're up against. We've been there before. We know what it takes to beat Manchester City and it is near impossible to be perfectly honest. You feel like every single time you kick off, you have to be perfect for the full 90 whatever minutes. If you have one lull in the game, it can completely turn the title. Um, and, and that's the thing is that I think we've all spoken about and, and why I felt so emotional for the the four three was because the season we did win the league it was never say die it was the never give up attitude it was players it was heroes Andy Robert against Aston Villa let's go back go yeah. and get the second it was the fighting for everyone and always believing and we've had that at times Wolves we had it Andy Robert popped up again there by the way he had it against Newcastle where Darwin Nunes just produces a moment of absolute magic twice in the game to save you we've gone behind against like a Bournemouth at home, I think it was. We've Aston Villa, who's tearing everyone apart. We just put them to the side and beat we them. Annihilated them. Yeah, we absolutely killed them. And I think that's why, because we've always sat here and we've said, draws is what will kill Liverpool because you can't, we draw too many games. We don't lose that often, but we draw too many games. And we've somehow went from turning a loss into a draw. Actually, no, we've turned a loss into a win. Yeah. And that's why it feels massive. It feels yeah. like against City, it was a 1-1 and yet you scored the last goal, but it felt very much like, nah, I mean... Do we actually? But we we might need to beat them to actually win the league. With that, then that went from we've lost the league to you know what this is going to get on Manchester City's minds. We've just put ourselves yeah. back up there. That is something that gives us the atmosphere for Manchester United when we come back to Anfield. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's what it, it builds and it will build. I, I just like the fact that people are still talking about Arsenal and talking about Man City and Arsenal being top of the league. Is I'm I'm honestly fine with it. I really I really really am because I look at it and. The, well, again, we'll talk about Arsenal on the Bias Football Podcast, but they are doing similar things. You know, they're, they're, they're finding ways to win. They've had a few late wins as well, turned a few bits and pieces around. They did that loads last season, but it still comes back to, for me, Stay is when the chips are down, we've now got a bunch of young players in our team as well, but I, our team isn't built around them still you know we've actually got quite a nice a quite a nice blend of if something go if something does need to be dug deep well we have still got those world class guys who've been there and done it and even then right in the middle we haven't really talked about Trent you've got a, a 25 year old Trent Alexander-Arnold being unleashed yeah. who's it's his football club he's the heir to the captain's armband and he's also won absolutely everything this is not and like I pick a name out the hat, but like Martin Odegaard or or whatever, who is obviously a fantastic player, a, a good leader in, in and of himself. But when when you you want to turn to someone in, in on the pitch who's going to be a guy who grabs it, someone who's who's at the peak of the powers and has got a track record of grabbing a game, is only going to only going to help you through those situations. Absolutely, and this season more than any other, we talked before about you have to be nearly perfect. You have to get 97, 98 points. Maybe you don't this season because. Of all teams are dropping points, draws, surprising draws and things like that. Imagine having this squad with the capabilities and the ability that's in this squad and coming up short in when 88, 89 points does it for you. That'd be like harder to take than the 97 season. So you're right, this is probably Trent's moment to, to, to deliver on the, on in the midfield and be the catalyst and be the scouser in the team and be all the things where 
it means so much more to him. You can see that from the celebration. You know, Odegaard celebrates his goals. He doesn't celebrate them with the fans who are from the same city and share the same love for the football yeah. club. This is his watershed moment in his career where he might be the catalyst for something brilliant. This is that age, though. Again, 25. This is yeah. Gerard around the period. Gerard's, you know, yeah. his stamp. It's, it's post 2003, 2004, 2004. This is like prime age. Yeah. Um, I, and that moment, so Chris, it, it's. It's just incredible. I'm so, and I, 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 it means more to me than it's him, because of it's him and he's a scouser and it mean and it means so much more to him as well. That celebration because the first one he scores the free kick and it, look, it's it's not given as his goal, which is just one of those like quirks of fate, really, isn't it? But he does like the little like cheeky little you know finger like, that one. He just doesn't know what to do with himself. He throws himself on the floor. He runs he gets away up, he like Gerard, yeah. doesn't he, to begin with, and then he just slides over the floor and. You know, obviously, I've I've watched the, it back from the the telly and stuff. It's the pure emotion on his face. It gets me. It gets me right in the feels, and it, and it always will do. And whether they're from Liverpool or whether they're from, you know, um, Uruguay, Chile, it doesn't matter if the if if they've got that pure emotion and Trent's got that pure emotion. But it is it it, it hurts. It gets me more because he is from Liverpool because I know because he's it's every young lad's dream or young girl's dream from around here to be able to do that. And so to have someone who you know is lambasted in the media time and time again, who's able to step up and continue to prove people wrong and steps up for the right reasons and you know because he wants to do because he loves the football club. It's just brilliant to see and. Like, it's such an underrated... Like, we didn't even really talk about the fourth goal. No, it's good. The first touch is slightly behind him, and he has to, like, check his body and swivel on it, and it's just perfect. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing about it that I think everyone should just be a little bit scared of is the fact that we're playing a number eight as our number six, and right now we're second in the league. Yeah. Uh, can you just imagine when we're rotating McAllister, Curtis Jones, Gravenberg on that left-hand side? You've obviously got Sobo, you've got Elliot on the right-hand side. You could even, you know, put Trent in there if you really wanted. Um, when we, if we, when we, and I think we will, I hope we will, get an out-and-out number six who maybe isn't on the same level as Rodri. Rodri is the best in the world, but he's... His known position is winning the ball back, is doing exactly what Rodri does, is knowing that position. Like, Liverpool are doing this with a makeshift midfield in terms of putting McAllister there. They're doing it with, right now, Costas at left-back and sometimes the likes of Joe Gomez at right-back when we need... You know, we're doing it with Sobo, who's still trying to learn it, what, what it is to, to work under Jürgen Klopp. We're doing well, we started it, with three new signings in midfield. Exactly. At, at the weekend. And the fact that we're still second with all these moving parts and it being the beginning of Klopp 2.0, Liverpool 2.0, it's a little bit scary for the rest of us because when we actually nail down those positions and when they're all in rotation and when they know exactly how to play Jürgen's way and what, what he wants out of them every single game, it's scary for all of the other teams. Two goals, five assists for Trent so far this season. Um Three. Well, yeah, I know. Um, if only. Um, but to the point, you know, that's our, th- that's our third. He's our joint second top assist. The Diamond Nunes has got five as well so far. I think it's our fourth 
highest in terms of total goal contributions from the side. And as much as you're saying, yeah, we've got a guy who's nominally an eight to ten mm. playing in the six fours. We've got a guy who could be a six to eight playing right back, you know, and actually yeah. trying to get into flourish more. Another interesting move to move him into midfield and put Gomez into right back when we go when we're chasing the game. We've seen that a couple of times now this season. I think we're going to start to see more and more of that, and some of that will be born of just you know the situations around. But we're going to have that question in January of is it easier to buy a world class number six or a world class right back? I think that might be a conversation that is starting to happen uh, in and around the axe for Liverpool. And uh, you know, do you move Trent further up the pitch? I don't know. I do find the argument a little. I just get a little. I think I'm right in saying he won the ball back more than any other player um, on, for Liverpool last night as well. Yeah. So again, you know, you constantly think about him in the defensive side of things, but winning the ball back still. And again, second in the league. It's interesting what you've just said, because if you push Trent into midfield, he becomes an orthodox man-for-man pawn in a chess game, if you like, because he comes from right back into that midfield. It's, it, invariably, there's nobody to pick him up, and then when somebody does pick him up, it frees up another body. If you just put him into midfield, you lose that surprise element mm-hmm. and then you're going to bring another right back into the squad like Joe Gomez can't do the inverted thing so as long as you're doing well you can but not to the same effect Yeah, if you're doing the inverted thing then then surely Trent has to stay in that but, position you know Conor Bradley's back now yeah. you know and it's it's interesting that you know whether we see and look Matip's injuries are blow and Jürgen Klopp said it's not going to be a short one that so there's a chance that that's a long layoff for Matip which will impact things Mercifully Quanta's you know development's been excellent as well but that, that we might see something change in the coming in the coming weeks as a result of it because I think Gomez has been excellent at right back I really yeah. do uh, you know he's he's obviously very stable he's so good on the ball as well underratedly so um, and actually when we let him play as a flying fullback it really, he really is underrated when he gets into the into the final third. For us, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get fifteen assists a season from pinpoint whipped crosses and stuff. But he's got pace. He's, he's, he's again, he's got good close control. He, he's he's an asset. Right, look, we're gonna have to wrap up on that because we've gone super long on it. But um, so good. So so good, um, and I'm glad to see everyone vibing off all the good goals and all that kind of stuff and yeah. all the content from yesterday as well. So yeah, fill your boots on all the over on YouTube if uh, if you want to. Um, short break now. When we return, we're going to be looking at the FA Cup third round draw and a little word on Liverpool versus Sheffield United as well. Hey, yes, uh, we've got a fantastic set of competitions all the way up to Christmas Day over on RedmanPlus.com, as I, I handily mentioned there. Um, as mentioned, I've just I've literally just filmed that live, um, as you can tell by the outfit that I'm wearing. Um, there is a draw pr- basically every day, and the days when we can't do them, we'll do a double draw. So we've got a fresh graphic made, which Aaron is going to shortly pull up and go on screen. There we go. Uh, so... On the 5th, the Darwin Nunes uh, Christmas sweatshirt is going to be drawn on the the Sheffield United match preview. On the 6th, the five-goal wins mug will be drawn on the Sheffield United match build-up. Yeah, cool. Uh, We've got a signed copy of Spice Up Your Life uh, by Jonathan Asfi, which is on the Crystal Palace match preview. Beers of Anfield Road, beer mats on the Palace match preview as well. Uh, And then Jack Designs, Alison Becker poster coming on the 9th of December. We've also still got, obviously, the Dead Kite shirts. We've got the Ibu Canate shirt. We've got the Carragher programme, possibly, I think, as well. Um, But yeah, head over to redmenplus.com and sign up and yeah, get yourself involved in the draws like we did at the top of this show. Uh, I missed a couple of Super Chats as well before we talk about the FA Cup draw. Uh, Imran Adam, Emmy says, I went to bed last night and still felt the need to let out a big scream of get in there, Liverpool. Yeah, I think there was... I think there was a lot of that doing the rounds, mate. Um, Ashley Frith, uh, who's been a member for 41 months, says, this has quickly become my favourite Red Men show. Um, I mean, we've been doing it for quite a while. That's yeah, a, that's, 
go out 12 years. That's a glacial <laughs> 10 of, uh, of enjoyment there, Ashley. Um, anyone heard of Micah using Gerard's boots and smashing it happening to Trent? I have not heard that, but go ahead. Why not? Um, and Redo just sent us a, a pound super chat in and a little number one sticker. Get in. Um, okay. FA Cup draw. Let's focus on Liverpool first and foremost. Chris Pajak, Arsenal yes. away. Whoop de do. About as bad as it gets. That. Yeah. 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 How does it always happen to us that we seem to draw these types of sides? There was. There's always a period, isn't it? You mentioned it yesterday. There's like Arsenal, or Chelsea, but there was always a period where it seems to be United in the fourth round or something like that. The third and fourth round, we never, very rarely get through without seeing a Premier League side it, it it baffles me to be honest with you and it annoys the living daylights out of me but then there's the other party you, know, you knock them out and the draw probably opens up in much the same way as the, the Carabao opened up for us this year didn't it where you're thinking oh we can go all the way to the final there and um, yeah I'm just I'm a little bit annoyed to be honest because we'll have played so much football by the time that the FA Cup rolls around and hopefully we'll be um, preparing to play Carabao Cup football as well around then so um, it is a bit annoying. I just like, you know, what did who did City get, Paul? Huddersfield. Yeah, there you go. Like we've, had, City's we've had decent. We've had decent luck in the last few years, haven't we, Steve? You know, in terms of the draws. I mean, we've played. I feel like we've played Shrewsbury about fourteen mm. times uh, of late. Um, and but this is often the thing. If you want to have a good oh, domestic is that cup the, run, what, what's the song they sing? Salo. Not the one. Yeah, we've played them loads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you if you want. To have a good domestic cup run, you do, I find you do need a favourable draw. And look, the, the season we win it, we get we get some great draws on yeah. the way to winning both both cups. Um, it being Arsenal, I mean, it adds some extra fight to it, adds some extra spice to it. I agree with Chris. That could be a little bit of a downer, depending on what what's going on with our squad by that mm-hmm. point, of course. But listen, the exact same goes for Arsenal as well. I think they've got a thinner squad than us, a less experienced squad than us. It's a boss game, and look, the Emirates we're not we're not, we're not too bad there. We've got a reasonable record there as well. Um, at least it's at least it's an exciting fixture. And if you get past that one, I mean, look, ultimately it's a bit obvious to say, but you've taken out one of the other favourites for the competition on the way as well. Yeah, and, and potentially someone you might come across in the final, and then there's all the jeopardy of of, of losing in a final, which is worse than losing. You know, that's it. It's as bad as it gets. You've got to beat them all at some point. You've got to beat the good sides. You've got to beat the indifferent sides. You've got to beat the lower sides. You know, Huddersfield would have been a nice draw, but it hasn't happened. Um, we'll raise our game for it. We, we we have good battles with Arsenal. We have a favourable record against Arsenal. Um, so why not go there and, and, and knock them out? I think that's the way you've got to look at it. Yeah. Chloe? Can't be asked. <laughs> Well, let someone else go to that uh, one. Just so much footy. Could you not have gave me Preston North End, which is just down the corner? <laughs> Couldn't you have, please? Midweek, Arsenal away, um, and it's it's just that everyone else has got easy draws, bar Everton, who've got Crystal Palace. Um, everyone else looks like they're having a great time and going through to the next round, and we've got Arsenal. Um, and an Arsenal side that I think I I think will go strong for that, and I don't know whether Liverpool will. I don't think Liverpool would would go that strong. I think there'd be a, a lot of rotation where Everton, uh, where Everton, where Arsenal. I don't think there'd be as much rotation because I don't think they have that much rotation. Yeah. I- 
I but I think I see it as a positive thing if I'm being honest because I think Liverpool will go strong because Klopp said himself it's almost like you go as strong as you know as you, as you can in those in those situations. I think you're right, Chris. I think if we get past West Ham in the Carabao Cup, a two-legged semi-final in January is going to be a wrinkle yeah. that's hard to predict right at the moment. Um, I mean, is Port Vale still in that competition? I mean, like, again, if you end up with someone winnable, you know, end up with a really winnable game in that, then you can go a bit harder. But I agree on that. I think Arteta will go full strength because... I think ego wise, and it's a home as well. He can't afford to he can't afford to take his eyes off that game. So I don't I don't mind it, you know, because again, you can go full strength and Arsenal can beat you because they're a good football team. But I think they're beatable at full strength. And even if they were to beat us at full strength and, and go go for it, gung ho. I'm actually not that asked for what that takes out of their legs moving forward as well. Go on. What, what do we what do we reckon? I think the advantage, if I'm trying to look for positives, is playing Arsenal at this stage is, I think Liverpool are looking at this season, Jürgen's looking at this season, thinking we've got a really, really good chance of winning the Europa League here. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to probably put, you'd have to put the Europa League above the FA Cup and the Carabao yeah. in terms of importance. Is this squad right now capable of winning the Premier League and the Europa League and the Carabao and the FA Cup? I think in your heart of hearts, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be pretty difficult. Um, so if you do go out in the third round against Arsenal you've got that whole like yeah okay fine because if we win a cup double or a, you know a Europa League and we really do challenge for the Premier League you might be looking at the FA Cup and going thank God we didn't get through to the quarterfinal yeah. there I think I think that's a big difference. If there was other big matchups where you know it, Newcastle plays Sunderland, but Newcastle should should win that. But my problem is is that we've got Arsenal, whilst everyone else has easy sides. So when you say beat them and the draw opens up, it doesn't because. Newcastle will still be there City will still be there United should still be in there um, and yet you've taken out Arsenal but there's still other massive teams who you do not want to face where if it was a little bit further down the line everyone's got to face each other then there's there's a pool of yeah, just yeah. the big big clubs and like you mentioned Port Vale who've somehow managed to get through to the Carabao Cup so fair play to them and I'd absolutely love them if we could get past West Ham um, but that I think that's where I'm angry is that like it's the first round and we've got a massive side. It was either them or City who I wouldn't want the most because mm-hmm. the the ones who you're up in in the league against, I'm hoping that they've got a hard January uh, because their December so far looks piss easy. Um, so I'm hoping that their January at least counterbalances it, which might help us out. Um, but yeah, the, the only thing that annoys me is the fact that even when you get past Arsenal and you feel like you've, wow, like massive win that, Every other team who you do not want to get will not be knocked out because they've all got easy fixtures. Mm, yeah, it's um, just on the Arsenal. I, I was interested to see what they did actually in all the other competitions last season. They got to the fourth round of the FA Cup, they knocked out, got knocked out in the third round of the EFL Cup, and then only got to the round of sixteen of the Europa League. So this is a team. This is a team that's not proven itself capable of actually playing on multiple fronts themselves. And they got knocked out in the Carabao this season as well, didn't yeah, they? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 again, I think it's fine. I, you know, I, we've. Got a good, we, I, we've got a decent handle, I think, on Arsenal. And look, I think the league game before that is ultimately the most important yes. of the two. I think whoever wins, that's probably going to be top of the league at, at Christmas. It's so close to Christmas, of course. Um, 
means there's going to be a little bit of potential afters for it. You know, is that like the consolation prize for the team that's fucked in the league? You know, well, I guess you we'll, quite often guess see we'll that see. type of stuff happening, though, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you really Didn't do. We do it to Manchester City. We lost to them, and then in the like League Cup or something, whatever it was, we went and beat them, and then the league, the next game, we beat them as well. Uh, either way, I'll be excited when it comes around. But right now, Arsenal away in the midst of trying to go for a league title, the Europa League, and it's the first round of the FA Cup for us. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I mean, again, we play Newcastle on the first, and then we've got and then the Arsenal game. Obviously, it's oh, to be confirmed when Christ. that'll be picked, but that's—I mean—that could be like moved to a Sunday, which is, that's then just a normal week. That, you know what I mean? mind. Yeah, yeah, it could be worse. And the, the, weirdly, the Christmas stuff falls quite kindly for us this year. We haven't got any of those stupid like. 46 hours between football games which David Moyes loves to play us in um, so we haven't got that going on this year but yeah we'll have to see I feel okay What? how do you feel at home about the Arsenal as a draw it is I think on paper one no I can't sit here and dress it up as going that's the best possible draw for us it's just not just get crap teams in the first two or three rounds if you can get a League 1 or League 2 side up to Championship progressively as you go third round fourth, fifth round you are laughing for that competition Um but yeah, I don't. Again, I can't say that I don't fear Arsenal in the league, and then say that I I fear them they in the don't FA want Cup. To play us either, though. No, yeah, exactly. That's the exactly. They'll, they'll, they'll be living with that. You know, you'll be having. You'll get. You'll have to wheel out the Bluetooth speaker again um, in preparation <laughs> for this one. Um, okay, Sheffield United midweek. Um, stay. Look, the same argument for Fulham is it's all well and good getting the point at Man City, it's all well and good, going second in the league with the late winner over Fulham. If you then go and cock it up at Bramall Lane, then you've, you know, you've, you've laid yourself back. So I'm enjoying the weekend at the moment, mm. but I'm going to be nervous once again coming back to midweek because the only recent memory I have of that is a, a very, very scrappy late 1-0 win there um, when Dean Henderson basically threw one in. So, yeah. you know... If that's the benchmark, then strap strap ourselves in. It'd be nice if we could actually just beat them. Because let's be honest, they're rubbish, and everyone else has. Yeah, but they're about to lose their manager, which yeah, will make the players all double down. <laughs> it's not us. It wasn't us. We'll show you against Liverpool that actually we've got the, the dog in us. But there's people saying they've lost half a yard of pace. They don't make second challenges like they used to. They've, they, 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 it's all gone from them, and looking at them, thinking they're dead set for the trap door and back into the championship. Nothing like seeing your manager get sacked, and we've been on the end of this time and time again, where teams double down and, and find Herculean efforts because they feel they've got something to prove because it's that age-old conversation. Was it the manager or is it the players? For me, it's always the manager. The players do what the manager says or don't, rather. I just think. I mean, the players are crap as well. Yeah, but 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 that will be the game when they when they find a little bit extra because the knives have been out this week for them. So we we kind of always seem to fall foul of that. So the point before made about they've not sorry they've they've not sacked him yet. So the likelihood is we might not get a new manager bounce. We'll get a caretaker manager bounce, which isn't quite as big a bounce, I don't think, as the new manager bounce. But it's a better bounce than where they are right now, isn't it? Yeah, bigger bounce than the little bounces that they're. Yeah, potential. So, it, so for me, it's, it's a, it becomes a potential banana skin because wounded pride makes people try harder, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, let's just let's have it right. They are currently on less points at this stage of the season than Derby County were. Um, the okay, record lowest point. Derby got eleven points in a season, and they are currently Sheffield United are currently worse, oh, or trending worse geez. than that. They've got five points so far. Uh, so they need campaign. to get six points from what? How many? Of the remaining 24, 
24 games of football. Um, but to the point, yeah. I mean, that you need more to break it. They need to. They need seven points to be able to uh, to be able to be better than Derby County, which is great. Well done. You got a point more than than, than, than Derby County. I mean, like, I mean, what are we what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this goes back to it. It's fucking stupid. Did you know but, it's been 125 years since Sheffield United won the third top division in English football? Well, I, it's, I think it's the second longest um, drought going. I think Preston North Ends is the longest. Really? At like 130 something years. And absolutely no sign of that ever changing anytime <laughs> soon. It can't, it can't be 130 years since Preston won the league. Have a look. I think it is, you know. Could, they were they were early doors winners then, boys, weren't they? I think yeah. it was Preston. I mean, oh, this yeah. just couldn't be any less interesting for this for this particular podcast, but we're, let's win the league. Um, yeah, all I've got in this is the fear. It's a fear and anxiety of we should beat them because they're crap. It is one of those little atmospheric ground, midweek, night game, under the lights, all that kind of stuff. This is where we could do with Liverpool learning some sort of lesson from the weekend of just bucking ideas up and go a little bit harder and go and get the win. Let's not make this any more complicated than it needs to be and we should have the firepower because as much as a new manager bounce, I'm sorry, but what, what I... I don't. I don't. Who is he? Who's this? Who's this manager? And is he bringing a bunch of really good footballers with him? Because if no, I don't care how how high they got. Is he a mega bounce bouncy ball? Is that what's <laughs> what it is? Because Chris Wilder shaped bouncy ball. They feel like a bag of wet sand to me. Yeah, if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, how are you feeling at, at home? Are you feeling the nerves and the, the, all the all the worries that kind of come with that? Do let us know. Um, Right, Sam, we're going to wrap up there before we get the answer because oh, I was apparently 134 years. Well, according to Blue, blimey. Preston, I feel like Preston just feel like one of those teams that <laughs> like did stuff in the 60s or something, you know? Yeah. How long ago did they stop saying it'll be our year this year? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like... Yeah. They've got like, uh, Everton fans have got posters of Preston up on the wall to remind <laughs> themselves. It makes them feel better. Okay. 1995, <laughs> not on you. Not on that, like, not on. Uh, I just want to end on a comment from Mike Messi who says, uh, leave Nunez's hair alone. Uh, remember how shite Torres went when he went from long blonde to shaved head, the Samson effect. Can I just his hair wasn't as bad as what that one you know? Can I just make a point though that Torres was was really good with his blonde hair? Oh yeah. Maybe maybe we're talking about the reverse Samson effect that we might have here. The shaving his hair off might make him might make him better. Just saying. Um what I'm saying, it's not gonna get loads worse if he's got a skinhead than he's got his got his plat, just saying. Yeah. I mean, he looks like one of the kids' rainbow high dolls at the moment. It's how we do um, my daughter's hair when she goes to gymnastics and like and it's just fit. like you know look honestly it doesn't get in the way it stays tight so it's not coming loose and stuff so there's a practicality to it but honestly he, he looks like a 13 year old girl who's just been on a holiday to Ibiza yes um, <laughs> and he's only cornrows away from being that being the next stage of that as well by the way oh my god braids yeah full like proper the, braids yeah. yeah yeah done that but with Family like a pink one yeah. no I've I think just seen the, it and it is I think horrific. that's the 17 go away for the first time without your parents here do yeah yeah absolutely uh, right cool thank you so much for joining us uh, if you wanted to see us or listen to us talk about uh, Manchester City 
maybe go on a touch spursy, um, then come and join us on the Bias Football Podcast over on redmanplus.com. Uh, always promises to be a good show. Uh, so yeah, we'll join, we'll do that and uh, we'll have a good time and hopefully you will too. Uh, thank you so much to Chris, to Chloe, to State and to you guys for watching and listening. You're the best. Um, but especially, thank you so much to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Thank you so very, very much for checking out the video. If you enjoyed it, drop a like. Uh, the season is now well underway. If you need extra Redmen content, be it podcast, videos, documentaries, interviews, and general shows, fill your boots on redmenplus.com today.